Welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm Jason Van Tatenau, of your host. It is Monday, June 13th, and man, that snow is melting fast. Right now, Yellowstone National Park is completely closed. They're having bridges wash away in the area. Up in my old haunts up in Montana, they're dealing with flooding. Wow, we're, we woke up to some haze and smoke, though it's not coming from Colorado, thankfully, yet, anyway. A new fire just sparked off I-70 near Glenwood Springs earlier today. So, yeah, we, we've definitely entered the Mordor summer season where we have fire and floods here in Colorado, everywhere, really. Well, today... We're going to talk with Jen Bass, who's putting together the first ever official Pride Day celebration, Pride Month celebration here in Estes Park, Colorado. We've kind of had them before. We had like a like a combined uh, BLM rally with a Pride event, what, two years ago, two summers ago? And uh, But now we're doing it right. So we're going to do that. Um, it's going to be a, this is like the start of, like a crazy couple of weeks for me. Cause I'm going to be flying out like first thing tomorrow morning, going to Wisconsin where I'm going to be a dinner time speaker at the Institute for constitutional advocacy and protection put on by Georgetown law. It's a, it's like a conference there and they've come out to ask me to, they, they've asked me to go out there to speak during dinner. So I fly in just in time to make it there for happy hour grab a drink or two, and then uh, speak while everyone's eating dinner on my experience with the Oath Keepers and just my my thoughts and views on uh, violent extremists. And, you know, we, we are seeing uh, some crazy stuff happen out there. So hopefully we can uh, all do something about it. This past weekend, there were 31 people that were arrested before they got to a Pride celebration in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. They are uh, all members of Patriot Front, which uh, is an offshoot of, of Vanguard America, which was the, the neo-Nazis that were part of the Deadly Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. And uh, of course, we know that, that that turned out very, very poorly. This group, um, they were, were spotted in a... Uh, concerned citizen called the uh, Coeur d'Alene Police Department when they, they saw what they called a little army of men with shields and other riot gear um, getting into, they're all packing into a U-Haul truck. And um, I, I mentioned on last week's podcast, the last one, that I thought this could possibly get a little bit crazy with some of the groups that were planning on attending. Um, so yeah, there were 31 people in total that were arrested um, from at least 12 states, including Colorado. They were all charged with conspiracy to riot. Thank the gods they were able to, you know, break it up before they got to this pride celebration. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's what we got going on today. I'm also going to be reading a piece, a continuation. This is a piece that I wrote over the weekend. I was going to get it get it posted as kind of a weekend rant type thing, but uh, 
I thought I would just hold off and, and make it part of today's podcast um, since I'm going to be traveling this weekend. It looks like they're going to be pushing back my congressional hearing until the week after next. It's not going to be next week, but they, they had switched it. It was originally going to be prime time, and then they switched it to like 10 in the morning. Um, but now it's going to be a week later. Apparently, there's some vote or something that's coming up that the, the congressional members needed to take care of business. So the week after, I'll be there, and it will be during prime time is what they're saying. What I'm finding is that, um, that Congress, uh, you got to be kind of flexible when doing this type of stuff. So, yeah, we'll just see. I'll keep you guys informed. I did get, you know, they, they actually send you a, a special little email that, like, would look nice, printed out, put on my wall, inviting me to to do the, um, to be part of the, uh, the select committee's special hearings on the January 6th insurrection. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and jump into the interview with uh, Jen Bass, who uh, I've worked with on several projects here in the SS Park area before, um, including the uh, the Rebel Pop pop-up show art show that was, you know, two, three years back, um, and some, some different things. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll hear what she has to say about our first ever Pride event. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, say thank you to our sponsors, the uh, Historic Park Theater here in Estes Park and the Real Mountain Theater. Um, you know, you're looking for something to do. Man, movies are the way to do it. Get out and beat the heat because, uh, you know, they're air-conditioned. And, um, yeah, so I'll let you know later on in the week what movies I'm planning on hitting this week. I'm definitely going to be catching a movie when I get back. I'm flying out to Wisconsin tomorrow morning, but I get back the very next day. So, um, yeah, hopefully I can maybe catch a movie. Times are crazy right now. I mean, I'm just every day I'm writing on this book and, you know, they've got the cover all okayed and they're starting to put out uh, information about the book coming up. Um uh, my publisher, Sky Horses, and uh, yeah, really jumping on this quick. I mean, I'm only 10, 11 chapters in. Now, it's a third of the book, um, and I'm definitely on schedule for the uh, the guidelines. So, But got to not <laughs> not screw up this chance that I have because uh, it's just a perfect storm with, uh, you know, being involved in all these different hearings and speaking events and, and you know, documentaries and uh, news interviews um right before you know the book's going to be released in february early february of next year so uh yeah kind of a perfect storm like i mean you just can't buy advertising like this um so i'm gonna i'm gonna you know not fuck this up and really do my best to make sure i i stay on track and uh putting out the best book i possibly can and i gotta tell you i'm really happy with it so far i'm really enjoying writing it now that I'm in the groove of it, like I've done like my, my timelines and research to make sure, you know, everything's right. But now it's just kind of the literary point side of things where I'm telling my human story of, of like, you know, meeting the Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keepers. And then eventually, you know, and at first covering them as a, uh, a journalist and then, um, you know, eventually becoming their propagandist. So yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Um, I'll be glad when it's done so I can just move on to other things, but, uh, yeah, a lot of opportunities are already opening up. I've got a lot of meetings scheduled after my August 31st deadline. So, you know, we'll see where this, uh, wave goes. We'll see, uh, how far I can surf it and hopefully I won't fall off and crash too soon. 
see uh see what what bigger doors it might open in the future so all right let's just jump into this interview and uh then afterwards i'm going to do another audio essay um this one's called uh red boxes and mafia kids and it's about a summer i spent in the jersey city projects with my cousins and um yeah should be interesting it's a story i've been wanting to tell from my past for a while now i've been thinking about it and finally put it together so the mostly true tales will continue after the interview with jen bass all right folks we're here with jen bass who is putting together the first ever official pride event here in Estes park colorado and um, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself, kind of tell us a little bit about yourselves. I'm sure a lot of my readers have, have been exposed to what you're doing here in town. Um, but for those that are out of town or out of state, um, let us know what's going on here in Estes Park and what you're doing. Hi, yeah. Um, so I am Jen Bass. I've lived here, I want to say, consecutively about 13 years now. I've done theater here and there, an occasional rally for women's rights, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. And um, now I am focusing on bringing in nightlife and other fun things, but right now I'm doing Pride. We've had little tiny pop-up rallies here yeah, and there. Yeah, we kind of had a shared one with the BLM yeah. uh, rallies that happened, what was that two summers ago or last summer? Uh, two summers ago. Yeah, it all, it's kind of all a blur with the, the pandemic. Yeah, and, and again, like we've had moments of, of little like rallies here and there, but this will be our first day-long event um, more of a celebration than a rally, if you will. Right. So we have music. I have five or six bands coming in. I have a headliner coming in from Denver. I have guest speakers. Um, I'm really excited. The United Methodist Church actually approached me. Oh, wow. They're pretty inclusive and they're very, very open. So, we, yeah, we have a lot of that. And, and I just want to make sure this is fun and exciting and proud to be for pride, but I also want people to know that we're gonna have a lot of resource tables there uh, for mental health, um, the Estes Valley's crisis advocates, um, disabled resources and things like that. So it will be fun, but not all fluff. I just want in particular the youth in our community to know that they are supported and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we've got a great private community here. Um, so tell us a little bit about the, uh, let's, let's start with the speakers. Who do you got coming in for that? Um, I have Ann Lance, like I said, she's the Reverend at the United Methodist uh, Church. She's going to kind of give a blessing over pride, not a prayer, because I have, as we both know, that religion has actually hurt, uh, been used against the LGBTQ community. So it's going to be very open and very welcoming, and she's going to do a land acknowledgement, which is very important. Um, along with some of these guest speakers, I actually have, uh, I think two, but I definitely have one um, sign language interpreter, so someone doing ASL. Um, I have Lars Sage, who works at the Estes Park Art Center, right. and he directed me, yeah. he's part of the Fine Arts Guild, so I wanted him to have his voice there. I have Randy Silkwood, yep. he's gonna be, he's just enthusiastic all around great guy yeah i've had him on the podcast yeah 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 no i know he's great and so um i believe Lori dale marshall's going to be oh, part great, of this yeah, yeah. and then of course little me i'll just have a couple of minutes just to thank everyone for coming okay and and tell us about some of the entertainment the bands 
Okay, we have someone, a young lady who calls herself Lana Del Taco. Okay. And this is, um, we have, like, this is a huge weekend long event. It's not just one pride. In fact, so she's going to be playing, and then afterwards on Saturday night, there's going to be a something at the bowling alley called Pride, or Punk and Pride. Okay. And they're raising money for the skate park and stuff like that. Right. But she's going to be one of the entertainers. Uh, DJ D Irish is going to be DJing okay. a little bit. Uh, we have Ray Wallace. She opened for the burlesque, one of the openers for my burlesque show, and okay. she's kind of she's on the guitar, powerful vocals. We have Caitlin Ryan coming in um, from New York, and she's just she's so full almost R&B, rap, freestyle, incredible energy. And then our headliner is Grace Devine. And she's coming in and her band's coming in from Denver and they're the top 15 bands to watch in Westwood from oh, Denver. Okay. So yeah, that's pretty- I, I saw something about her just recently. Yeah, she's like disco, cosmic pop. Kind okay. of, so just a beautiful ethereal woman with a house that just blows the doors, or the voice just. So what are the dates? When, when can people come and, and check it out? And uh, you know, do they have to register? How, do, how does the event work? Well, the big public event, which is June 25th, is open to the public. It is family friendly. It's a full day celebration. Is that a Saturday? Free. It's a Saturday. Okay. It's free. And that's going to start from about noon to go about 6 p.m. or so, 6-ish, I should say. And that's where? Uh, at the slab, okay. and right on the main drag uh -huh, yep. of uh, Estes Park. On um, that Saturday, but we have a lot of things going on. So, for example, Friday afternoon at the Historic Park Theater, I have uh, two people coming in, and they're going to demonstrate how to do a, a drag queen makeover and everything from simple classic day day today makeup tips to glamorous makeovers and a fun uh, catwalk. How to you know bring your high heels and you'll learn how to walk the catwalk. He, this guy used to teach um, movement in theater, so that's going to be about an hour and a half, and um, they will accept tips and they will have someone to volunteer to have a makeover. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Later that night, Lonigans has do donated their back room for a drag queen show for two nights actually. So Friday night and Saturday night, from 9 p.m. to 11, they're going to be different performers and hostess every night. And then let's see. And then Sunday we have Drag Queen Bingo. Okay. And that's going to be at the Dunraven from noon till about two o'clock. And her name is Chloe Katz. She's wildly popular in Denver and uh, the Loveland Fort Collins area. And she's going to take the stage. It's going to be fun. I'm trying to get a DJ in there and have. I mean, it's just going to be a fun, wild weekend. Awesome. Do you have you heard of any? Uh... I know that when we had like the, the BLM rallies, there was a certain amount of uh, counter rally. Have you heard anything like that? And we've, we've also heard like in Idaho, like I'm scared for the, the people in Idaho because there's, there's definitely some, some things going up there. And I, I think Colorado is a completely different, different place that, uh, but have you heard anything about any sort of uh, counter I have not celebration heard. Celebration, or I don't know what you would call it. Um, I, I, we, I, as far as I know, we don't have a counter celebration. Um, I believe, and I like to think to believe, that the LGBTQ plus community is becoming more and more just embraced and accepted as it part of the norm of the community. Our community is growing and evolving um, constantly, Estes Park, 
and that's why I think pride is just evolving with the thoughts now of course on Facebook you've gotten I've gotten one or two well we should have a pride straight pride parade yeah. and little little quips like that but I just think that's sort of the death rattles of yeah. homophobia I mean, it sounds like a armchair yeah yeah um, well let's, yeah, I'm not let's certainly yeah I, and, and even if it is there we just have to have to say, and look, we're, we're, we're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to do this, and we have um, moms with free hugs, so you're going to have to face a lot of moms with open arms if you're going to be nasty, and I would not want to do that, mama bears. And, and you actually put on the first drag shows here in town, eh? or the second one? Did you do the first one? No, I didn't. Actually, that was at the slab, and they were very supportive that let me do the last burlesque show. Right. So, And that's what prompted me to be able to, to have the courage to go forward because, not this, I'm sorry, the barrel, the barrel. Yeah, barrel. The barrel did it, and seeing such a just a, everyone wanting to go and it was just packed in there and the enthusiasm and then that was it you know and yeah. so when I did the burlesque we were turning people away at the doors drag queen everyone I've mentioned the drag queen shows or the bingo to their eyes get huge in particular women yeah. but um, I but I think it's going to be very well received and in the middle of summer with all our bachelorette parties and stuff like that yeah. I just I'm just hoping for a huge success. All right. Well, I, I should be back in town from my trip to D.C. then. So I'll definitely be going and checking out the events and being a part and maybe documenting some of the I, historic first ride event. I would love this to be the inaugural first annual <laughs> of that. I mean, we have the logo, T-shirts. People are asking about merch. We have way more enthusiasm than any negativity at all. Excellent. Like wildly just exciting. Excited people in town. Gotcha. All right. Well, is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to add? I'm just trying to think. I will have, I'll be launching everything. You'll be able to get all the tickets to the events on Eventbrite. Okay. There'll be QR codes. Keep your eye out on Facebook and the newspapers. Uh, just plastered on windows like old, good old-fashioned advertising like yeah. we've done in the old days. So, yeah, buy your tickets. It's going to be very limited because of the space, but it's going to be so cool and just full of energy oh one other thing too uh, to couple let's say if you can't make it to 198 uh, of the Lonigan show but you want to participate we have two nights and they're gonna in the front of the house they're gonna do um, queer karaoke okay. and I've talked to the owners of Lonigan's and if you show up with a wig I'm gonna call it wig out and if you show up with a wig you get a free shot Oh, okay. So it's just every. have a lot of people just showing up with wigs on. I think it's just going to be fun. It's just going to be wild and fun and celebration and proud to be proud of pride. All right. Yeah, Very and cool. you'll be there. I trust me. I'll have your I'll have your tickets ready, Jason. All right. <laughs> as long as I get back in time. Yes. Yes. Well, you got. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, we'll we'll see you at Pride. Yay! Yay! Go Pride! All right, folks, that was our interview with Jen Bass, the producer of the Estes Park's first ever Pride Celebration. So if you can make it out, come out and show your support. Be part of history. It's the very first time we've ever done it here. It's kind of sad, but well, at least we're moving in the right direction, right? All right, so let's just jump into this audio essay entitled red boxes and mafia kids and um part of my mostly true tales i think i i put that in there mostly for plausible deniability because you never know what part is actually true if i do it that way i can tell more truth 
at least that's what I'm going to, that's my story. And I'm going to stick with it. New Jersey is a strange place. You really don't realize that until you get away from it. For the first 12 years of my life, I grew up in that land of the strange. I grew up in a small little lakeside town called Green Pond. It was in northern Jersey, which I now know most people think of as one vast paved over wasteland of a cityscape. But nothing could be further from the truth. It was a forested wonderland tucked behind a two-mile-long lake that was far from a pond. There were maybe two or three hundred people in the town. That's the picture my childhood memory paints. We lived in a small yellow house at the very end of Sunset Road. This story doesn't take place in Green Pond, but it starts there. I remember waking up one morning to find a strange hairy man sleeping topless on our front couch, and the kicker was he was wearing a dress. It must have been Saturday morning as I was fucking pissed off that this stranger was going to disrupt my usual Saturday morning routine of gorging myself on Lucky Charms and watching my favorite Saturday cartoons. My parents had separated earlier in the year, and Mom had begun dating again. She'd gone out the night before to some party, leaving my little brother and me with the red-headed babysitter down the street. I remember running to my mother's bedroom that morning in fear and panic and anger to let her know some crazed homeless man wearing a dress appeared in the middle of the night and decided to crash out on our front couch. My mother roused from her cloudy-headed sleep to tell me it was okay and that the man was her new friend Bill, whom she had met at a Hawaiian luau party. And she was sure to add that he was wearing a costume, not a dress. Bill would in a year become my stepfather, and after my angst-ridden teenage years, become one of the most influential people in my life. When Bill became a part of my family's lives, I also got a new set of cousins from Jersey City, Billy and Jimmy. Jimmy was the older of the two, but smaller in stature. Billy, the younger cousin, loved to eat and was one of the happiest kids I remember. I remember one time he came out and during a backyard cookout had several stacks of hamburger patties that he would stack up and smother with condiments, like a pile of pancakes. I'm not exaggerating when I say the kid tore through condiments. Jimmy was a smart one. He would go on to start one of the first iPhone repair companies in New York City. Coming from the idyllic beachfront life experience and meeting Bill's family, whom all lived in the same tower of the Jersey City projects, was quite an adventure. There was a community pool that we spent many hot city summer days at the top of one of the towers in the early 80s where my little brother and I, along with Billy and Jimmy, would try to float paper airplanes over the Hudson River into New York City. We would also drop pennies down on to the parking structure below us, cratering the hoods and roofs of the cars down below to gleeful giggles. Just a bunch of poor kids having the fun we could find in the smoggy Jersey City summer. Once we moved to Colorado, I saw Billy and Jimmy less and less. But the, during the summer of 92, after I graduated from high school, I went back to Jersey to spend some time with my actual father 
and worked fire demolition with them. It had been several years since I had spent any time with them, and it didn't take long to realize why I had chosen not to spend that time over my summers with him anymore. He had a new wife that wasn't much older than I was then, and I had my own experiences with women her age by this point in my life, and I just wasn't going to call her mom. She was a cunt, and I don't use that term lightly, as the Brits do. She was just a straight-up bitch, and it only took a couple of weeks to realize that I had to get out of there. While brainstorming with my mother about getting the fuck out of Dodge, during which that bitch broke into the call to refute just how awful she had been, we came up with the idea that I could spend a couple of weeks couch surfing with my family in Jersey City. This worked out great because my friend from high school, Matt, was coming to New York City. And we were supposed to spend some time in the city before we both went off to college and started the rest of our lives. Matt was a walking dichotomy. He played varsity football, but we found connection through our love of music and psychedelics. My mother bought me a train ticket to New York City. My mother bought me a train ticket to New York City, and my cousin Jimmy would meet me at Grand Central Station to ensure I got there alive. After making the short trip to the city, my cousin guided me back onto the river to Jersey City. The family still lived in the same tower, but had moved apartments from the ones I remembered. My cousin Jimmy asked me the first thing when we got back to the apartment. The question was, hey, feel like making some money? He said it with that same grin he had had when we were kids, and he asked me if I wanted to have some fun by tossing pennies off the roof of the building. Well, sure, I answered. After being able to work the whole summer doing the well-paying deconstruction of burned-out condos, I was happy to find a way to make some extra money. So, how are we making money, I asked. With a twinkle in his eye, he answered my question with another question. Have you ever heard of a red box? For those of you who are too young to remember the days of public payphones or didn't have friends who were hackers growing up, here's a little history lesson on red boxes. But first, we need to talk about the advent of phone freaking. According to Wikipedia, phone freaking got its start in the late 50s. Its golden age was in the late 1960s and early 1970s. Phone freaks spent much time dialing around the telephone network to understand how the phone system worked. Engaging in activities such as listening to the pattern of tones to figure out how calls were routed, reading obscure telephone company technical journals, learning how to impersonate operators and other telephone company personnel, digging through the telephone company trash bins to find secret documents, sneaking into telephone company buildings at night and wiring up their telephones, building electronic devices called blue boxes, black boxes, and red boxes to help them explore the network and make free phone calls. Hanging out on early conference call circuits and loop around to communicate with one another and writing their newsletters to spread information. A red box is a freaking device 
that generates tones to simulate inserting coins in pay phones, thus fooling the system into completing free calls. In the United States, a nickel is represented by one tone, a dime by two, and a quarter by a set of five. Any device capable of playing back recorded sounds can potentially be used as a red box. Commonly used devices include modified Radio Shack tone dialers, personal MP3 players, and audio recording greeting cards. So, my cousin had swiped his mom's credit card and ordered a case of Radio Shack phone dialers. These were small, handheld, round plastic rectangles with a keypad and a speaker on the front face. For those of you old fogies out there, remember when you put that quarter into the payphone and there would be a series of five tones? Da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, that was a computer in the payphone telling the computer at the phone company over the voice line that you would put in 25 cents in intervals of five cents. So hackers, or rather freakers, figured out that you could switch out a chip on a Radio Shack phone dialer and it would emulate that tone exactly. My cousin also ordered in a case of those chips from Texas, and we spent the next week soldering the chips along with a switch that allowed the device to either function as a red box or switched over to just being a regular tone dialer. This was as close as a contact list as we had in the days before smartphones. You could store like 25 numbers in these things. The plan was to sell the case of red boxes to the mafia kids that Jimmy knew growing up with in Jersey City, making a tidy profit for us, both of us. I still remember Jimmy driving around the different neighborhoods of Jersey City, showing me the various mafia cars parked outside of Italian restaurants, explaining to me the different meanings behind the different colored flowers that were put, in the, put on the hood ornaments of some of the cars. So we spent the next week before Matt came out to meet us, disassembling the Radio Shack phone dialers, installing the replacement chips, and adding a switch. The plan was to go pick up Matt from the train station, fuck around for a bit in the city before meeting Jimmy's contact in Greenwich Village, from the check out the red boxes and pay us some money. And then we could hit the nightclubs of New York City with our newfound profits like pirates after a successful haul. We were walking on clouds that week. What could possibly go wrong? Well, it turns out this was a series of monumental life lessons. First and foremost was, don't mess with the mafia kids. After securing a taser, just in case, we picked up Matt as planned from the station, then headed to the village to find someone that looked radically different from the picture I had in my mind of what a mafia kid was supposed to look like. There was a skinny kid in shorts and a tank top, long hair pushed behind a Yankees cap, and a large pair of sunglasses. Maybe he was incognito. He directed us to pull onto a side street next to a payphone so he could test out one of the red boxes. He jumped out of the car and ran over to the payphone. After making a call with the red box, that he had grabbed out of the cardboard box we had them all in, he trotted back. So, Jimmy asked. They work great, the kid said with a smirk. Hey, pull off into this alley. He pointed across the street. I'll give you the cash when we're out of sight. Jimmy naively did just what the kid said to do as soon as we pulled the car to a stop. 
my worst anxieties came to life. Four fully grown men in plain clothes walked up to the car's four doors. Just before they got to the front passenger door, the mafia kid jumped out with the cardboard box filled with our hopes and dreams and sprinted away. The men pulled up their shirts from their waistbands, revealing handguns and badges. What the fuck are you kids up to? The man outside Jimmy's window yelled into the car. I'm sure we all three collectively peed our pants just a little. Nothing. I was showing my friend our new phone dialers. We were selling them to raise funds for our band trip later this summer. Jimmy had kept his cool much better than I had. Yeah, sure, kid. You know, those weren't... You sure those weren't red boxes? Yeah, I'm sure. Shut up, the man said. We all sat in silence, sweating in the summer city heat. We need you to meet us down at the police station. Don't fuck around. Just drive right there and ask for Detective Calzone. I'll meet you there. Got it? Yeah, yeah, sure. We got it. As quickly as the men appeared, they melted back into the pulse of the bustling city weekend. And we sat in stunned silence, letting the adrenaline course through our veins. I finally broke the silence. Hey, Jimmy, I'm not sure those were cops. Nope. They were mafia guys, and we just got ripped off. I think I may need to call my parents, Matt added. The next few days were spent in defeat. Matt and I went and got some fake IDs over in Times Square and then went back to Colorado. Later that month, I would get a call from Jimmy saying he'd gotten some payback on the mafia kids when he had set fire to one of their private gas pumps. My mom and dad got some harrowing news later on at the end of the summer. Billy, who had nothing to do with our dealings with the mafia kids, had been visiting his father in the Greek Isles and had been killed when the scooter he was riding was forced off the road and into a cable that had been strung across the exit. He was decapitated and killed instantly. While I don't know if these events were connected, I can't help to wonder if we should have never fucked with the mafia kids in red boxes. All right, folks. Well, that's the next installment of my mostly true tales. Just little stories from my crazy life. Some of them are uh, mostly true with them. All right. Well, that's going to be it for today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. I uh, flying out first thing tomorrow. I'm starting this whirlwind tour. Hopefully we'll settle down maybe next week. I might be in town next week. Like they're still juggling around when I'll be uh, testifying before Congress. But um, needless to say, I'm sure things are just going to get crazy. So I'm going to uh, bring my little portable studio microphone with me and, and try to do some interviews and podcasting while I'm out about traveling. I will get a, a second uh, episode out next this week sometime, I'm sure. And then uh, next week I might be just a regular schedule, and then the week after might be a little crazy again. But we'll see. I don't know. It's all up in the air, and uh, yeah, I just kind of do what they tell me, because if I don't, they can just subpoena me. So better just to be easy. All right, folks. Well, you've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade. And as always, I'm your host, Jason Van Tatenhove. I'll talk with you again real soon.